Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terrilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. everybody, this is Tara Lynn and we are here answering some listener questions that we have. We love the questions you guys send in and we keep a little list of them and then we choose popular ones that you guys ask a lot of and periodically we just answer them for you. So today I'm going to go ahead and start with a high five and that high five goes to Father's Day celebrations. In our church that we go to on Mother's Day they always do these like really nice presents for the moms you know like some yummy treat or something and sometimes in my life Father's Day they haven't done this much for but this year guys oh my gosh this neighborhood that we live in they made homemade bread for all the dads like as they walked out they got like delicious homemade breads and they had extra which made me very happy Mm -hmm. because my husband didn't eat all of it so the rest of us oh which reminds me that we have a whole loaf still we're going to eat. Anyway, I just love it when people make a big deal out of Father's Day because, I mean, Mother's Day is like this big thing and the big feelings either way. Some moms don't like how it feels. They don't like the attention. Some moms do. Some moms feel guilty. Some moms feel great. But either way, like Mother's Day is like a big, yeah, it's a bigger thing. And I think sometimes Father's Day gets overlooked. So my high five just goes to this year, I feel like, I don't know. I was impressed with how other people made a big deal out of Father's Day and I really enjoyed spoiling my husband and honestly I just want to give a high five out to fathers in general because I think that their possible role is so 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 valuable and I think that good men can have a really amazing influence on everybody around them. So I just want to give a high five out to all you dads who are listening. I know we have many dads who listen and I just want to tell you that we appreciate you and specifically my husband and my own dad wow they are amazing and I watch the stuff my husband has to carry on his shoulders and still I mean he lives in a world where not only does he have to carry the weight of doing all sorts of like tasks and working and all the things that men have had to shoulder for a long time but now he's also expected to he helps out with kids and he's emotionally available to me for me to Mm -hmm. express my feelings to him. And then he express them back. Like he's, I feel like men right now are really figuring out a lot of, I mean, he's carrying weight on both sides and I'm just, Jeffrey, I appreciate you that you're nailing it. So I'm impressed. Yes. I partook of some of the bread and it was quite delicious. It's a great high five. Okay. I also have a high five and that is to, service we've had random people that i don't know and never saw come and help us on our house this last thing that happened random service angel came weeded our entire like tramp hole and put down like weed barrier like perfectly 400 million times better than i would ever do it by myself i don't even know this person i literally don't know them did you see the person no like it just happened traveling angel like an Mm -hmm. elf yeah Magic elf. I'm serious. I was like, oh my gosh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You just showed up to your house and it was just I done? Just looked out and it was just not only weeded out, because this thing was filled with 
ivy and like huge, not easy weeds, like the little weird trees are like growing. You literally have to like pull trees out, filled, probably growing four feet out of the trample, all cleared out and like a weed barrier, like net laid in the whole bottom, like side to side. I know. I don't even know. That is so <laughs> So crazy. And yeah, we've had other people be really helpful. So yes, my high five is to, it just inspires me to do especially when people have no expectation of you ever knowing you know what i mean it's amazing it's so cool nobody even texted you to say hey i did this no nothing yeah no wow i know so nice incredible yes okay so on to our listener questions our first one is from aubrey and she says I have an 18-month-old boy, and he really is the best. He's starting to get more opinionated, throw things, flail, throw food, or spill everywhere, hit other people. I've noticed that when he does these things, I freak out both on the inside and the outside. <laughs> I'm starting to yell, grab his arm too hard, and I feel his inner fire with, fill an inner fire within me. I know there are better ways to do this. It breaks my heart for me to think that my son might be afraid of me. He's still so young, and I know he's not trying to do these things on purpose. Do you have any recommendations, anything that could help me calm the inner fire and parent more calmly and lovingly? Is there a safe and good way to say no and stop behavior? Thanks in advance. Okay, lots in this question. The first thing that I wanted to just say, and it's hard because when we read questions, you don't really know how somebody's saying something. So sometimes I pick something out and they're like, oh, I wasn't meaning that. So Aubrey, if you weren't meaning this or you weren't feeling this, then just disregard it. But something that stuck out to me in the first part of the question was she says, I have an 18-month-old and he really is the best. So she's like prefacing with that even though I'm feeling like I still love my kid. And I don't know if you're meaning that. But a lot of the times I think as moms, we think we're wrong or we're doing something wrong or, or we're not loving our kid if we're like super annoyed and want to slap them when they're being bad or naughty whatever I know those are triggering words but still it's like but that's okay like that doesn't mean that you don't love him the exact same unconditionally so I don't know if that's what you meant but I wanted to tell you I don't think you need to apologize for being really frustrated with these behaviors because we all feel that like everybody freaks out on the inside and sometimes on the outside when our kids are being like psycho that's my favorite line of this entire question is (laughs) I freak out on the inside and the outside. <laughs> I just to clarify, because I love it. Because yeah, sometimes we just, sometimes we just feel it on the inside, mm-hmm. and sometimes it also comes to the outside. Yeah, and guess what? That happens to everybody. Yeah. So you're not alone, Mama. And also being an 18 month old, all everything you said is just like 18 month old. Yeah. To a T. Yeah. So yes, I just want. I love that you said that, Felicia. First of all, to let you know that. Of course he really is the best. Of course you love him just as much, even though he's doing terribly annoying things <laughs> because he's 18 months old. So I just have two things to say to this. One, this identification that you're feeling the inner fire on the inside is the first step. Awareness is always, 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 to me, the first step to changing anything. So I applaud you for being aware that you are feeling that on the inside. A lot of people simply just lose it all the time and don't actually identify what the feeling is they're feeling on the inside. So when you say fire, for me that sounds like anger and impatience would be the two like emotions that I would be feeling. But if you can actually name them, that helps. 
where I want to start is what it sounds to me like you're saying is that your patient's skin is just a little bit too thin. Okay, that's what I call it when when I'm feeling the fire on the inside and it's starting to bubble out on the outside. It means my patient's skin isn't thick enough for the for either for the, for the day. day or the yeah. hour or whatever. You've worn it down. So I know we go back to this all the time, but my question for you is very very first before we even talk about behavior here, let's start with you. How you get your patient's skin? Anybody know? Can anybody say it? Self care. <laughs> self care. Ooh, I don't know if I love that word. I know. Self-care. Filling your own bucket. Filling your own bucket. Yeah. When we say self care, we don't mean getting your nails done and buying nice clothes. That's not what we mean. Self care, as we talk about it, filling your own bucket requires no money, and it's a daily habit. So for us, for both Felicia and I and Caitlin, this is our morning routine. Mm-hmm. So literally. It is filling our soul for me. It's filling it with, and we have, we'll link all our links to this, but it's filling it with meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and writing every single day. And what this does is you are literally tapping into the well inside of yourself that allows you to fill. So you are starting your day full of, I am totally fulfilled from the inside out. I am a fulfillment looking for a need because guess what? 18 months old are as needy as they come. Well, right up there with newborns, right? <laughs> so when you when you fill your own bucket, you are a fulfillment looking for a need instead of a need looking for fulfillment. If you're starting out your day feeling depleted and empty and your gas tank is low, it's like trying to run a car without gas. You're not going to get anywhere. It's going to be really frustrating, really hot because the air conditioner's not working. I mean, it's it's not happy for anybody. And that inner fire that you're talking about is just going to burn and burn and burn, and it's going to come out in all ways that you are not happy about. However, if you can start your day filled to the brim with, like, fulfillment on the inside, then your patient's skin is starting off the day very thick. I'm not going to say, I mean, it disappears. And that's mm-hmm. why I do quiet time halfway through the day mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to really down. get the patient skin. And mm-hmm. there are some days where even with the thickest patient skin to start with, you're still not going to act exactly how you want. And you know what? That's okay because you're a human. And that's what we do as humans. However, that's my like first tip to this entire question is where are you on filling your own bucket? And what does your morning routine look like? Because I can handle a lot. And when I say handle, I don't mean allow. I don't mean don't set boundaries. You can still set really healthy boundaries and have connections. So our four pillars are, you know, connection, being present, setting boundaries, unconditional love. You can have all those things and set boundaries really, it comes really easily Mm -hmm. when you've already connected in with yourself. Mm -hmm. So really these things apply to ourselves. When we set boundaries around our own time, for me it's in the morning, when we're connected with ourselves, when we're being present with ourselves, and when we unconditionally love ourselves. When we can start from that, those pillars, using those same pillars with ourselves, it allows us to later, when your 18-month-old is throwing food, you can, with ease, It I, I don't know how to say this, I'm telling you this with confidence, that it becomes easy to gently hold their hand and say, I won't let you throw food, or, mm-hmm. or it looks like you're done, I'm gonna take you out of your high chair now. Mm-hmm. And you're not even upset about it, it's like, you threw some food. It becomes simply a fact and not an emotional reaction. It, it takes away the triggering that our kids do for us because our kids are our wonderful teachers because they do trigger us, right? Mm-hmm. So that's my first piece of advice is how's your patient's, how can you build up your patient's skin? 
I would maybe suggest a small morning routine, even if it's six minutes. And then the second one is follow that up with how being present with them and setting boundaries really nicely. So let's mm-hmm. just take this first one. Oh, so did you have anything else on that? I was going to say that we have some episodes on, you know, how our kids can trigger us, and we'll link them. Mm-hmm. But to Terrilyn's point, you know, that self-awareness and self-care is like simple stuff like sleep. Are you, you know, nourishing your body with good food? Are you paying attention to that as much as you're paying attention to your your son's nutrition? All of those things like we hear it all the time, but put the airplane mask on yourself first so that you can show up for him. And when you do that, I find also that how I feel when I'm tired, hungry, mentally or emotionally depleted, which are all the things you're going to be if you're not taking time for you, I kind of turn into a toddler person. (laughs) And so then I'm like down here on his level, like, how dare you throw food at me and like hit me and like I'm taking it personally. Totally. I'm right there with him. You're having an emotional reaction. You're offending me by being so rude. Totally. But (laughs) Exactly. But when I'm filled up, I'm an adult and I see it through adult eyes and it's more of like, you know, I'm going to protect you from hurting me or other people. I'm going to, you know, discipline. We know that the root of the word is teach. So I'm going to see these opportunities as a chance to teach. But if you're just like flustered and at your wits end, I'm not teaching anyone. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, freaking out. And you take it as offenses. I use the word rude as a joke, but saying when you're in that space, Mm -hmm. you're talking about Felicia and we have all felt this. So I'm not saying this with judgment here. But when you are in that space where your patient's skin is thin, you do take a toddler pushing you as a full-blown offense. Mm-hmm. Like, if an adult did that to you, if an adult throw, threw food in your face, you'd be like, you are being mean and right. very disrespectful. And you, you're taking it as, like, an offense, right? Like, I am offended. My feelings are offended mm-hmm. that you threw spaghetti in my face, right? right? But when you can realize they're a toddler, when you're coming from a space of fulfillment... You can look at them as you're a toddler. You're you're curious that you have this squishy stuff in your hand and you're wondering what happens when you throw it, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. kids are just experimenting. And you see how when you look at it like that, it's not offensive anymore. Right. You're not like, oh my gosh, this kid is being so manipulative. And, and he's disrespectful. He doesn't like the food that I'm making him. Yeah. And you can just let go of that entire narrative mm-hmm. and look at it as, oh wow, he likes to throw squishy things on the floor because he wants to see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I'm not going to give him any like thing from my own reaction to make it exciting for him I'm just going to stop him from doing it and he's going to learn that he can't do that anymore so that's going to look like I take his plate away put him on the ground and he can go play because he's clearly done eating right so he's learning in that situation so throwing food gives me no reaction and I'm also done eating now so that's usually kids do throw food when they're done eating (laughs) right Mm -hmm. Um, I'm done eating now but I'm not going to have any like exciting reaction from my mom that's going to make me that's not going to make him want to throw it more right so you're taking away that. Yeah. And you're also making it so much less painful for you because you don't have the whole narrative of my kid's a nightmare because right. <laughs> they're a monster because they're throwing food in my face, right? So you're and kind of liberating yourself and them. I'm assuming that this that he is your only boy, but that's only an assumption because in your little profile picture, I see just him, but that could be just an assumption. But if it is, if he is your first kid or only kid, I think that we 
at least for me, I got caught in this little cycle more with just my first. Mm -hmm. Because... Caitlin's in it right now. Yeah. And I wish you were here to speak to this. Her baby is this exact age. age, And throwing food is actually like his main thing right now. That's really... It's really hard for her Mm because she's like, it's making a mess. And it's really hard. So... Totally. Well, and I was just going to say, I think when they're your... The only kids you... Or maybe the only kids you have at home. It's just... Your worlds are more intertwined and you're seeing all of their behaviors and they have the opportunity to request your time and attention because to them oh mom's trying to shower or get ready or she's cleaning up she looks like she's just available right there for me so I think it's important too to set those boundaries at this age of I hear you you really want me to hold you so you're like screaming and hitting me but I'm going to finish now doing what I'm doing. And and you don't even have to say any of that. They know that. Follow through with what you're doing calmly. But, you know, set a boundary of I'm going to shower at this time. And, and here is a safe place and books and blocks or whatever if you want to get them something. But it feels really hard in the beginning. I remember this with my first to set those kind of self-care boundaries throughout the day too because as much as you fill up your bucket in the morning you still and we have an episode called pockets of peace we'll link it you still need those times throughout the day where it's like i'm not serving you i'm not helping you i'm not interacting with you i'm not playing with you like i need to be an adult and i felt that really strongly that if i didn't set those boundaries i'd feel like a crazy person yeah so whatever those boundaries are your little son is probably not going to love them the first time you said it and he's probably going to freak out and be sad and you can acknowledge those emotions but slowly setting those boundaries and giving yourself a little more space where you realize and you can really feel like it's okay for me to be preparing dinner and listening to an audiobook and he's doing his puzzles in the living room like that's okay I don't have to be tending to him all the time Mm -hmm. That gave me a lot of space to breathe with kids this age because yeah. they are just a lot. They are. They're, they're bottomless pits of need. They really are. <laughs> and we love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we love them. <laughs> There's a, I think it's an arrested development. He's talking about a dog and he's like, he covers his dog's ears and he's like, because dogs are bottomless pits of needs, mm-hmm. but don't tell them that because you crush them. <laughs> but that is something beautiful about children is that they really, they need <clears throat> so much and we lean into that need in so many ways. But there are times, I'm so glad you said that, Felicia, that there are times every single day where with your second, you know, after, after your first, it happens automatically mm-hmm. because you are going to be caring for another child and you can't be meeting the needs of all of your children exactly at the same time. So there'll be times you're feeding your baby, for example, and your toddler will need you and you'll have to say something like, I can see you really want me right now. I'm going to finish this and then I will help you mm-hmm. calmly without, you know, uh, it being an issue. But with your first... It is difficult as a mother to set that for yourself. I am going to shower and I can see you're upset, but I'm still going to shower. Mm -hmm. Or it's quiet time. This is my time and your time, and I'm going to enforce that, which means I'm not going to be playing with you for this next hour. I'm going to be doing this for the next hour. Mm -hmm. And you have those blocks, but you're setting, but you you do. You're setting boundaries, and with your first, it is the hardest. And they'll come back to you a million times, and you'll have to keep resetting the boundary. You will. Yeah. Even the throwing food, I think, is the hardest with the first. Mm -hmm. Because with my other kids, I mean, all my kids, when they're little, they they experiment with the concept of throwing food. 
but they see all their older siblings like sitting around the table and they actually like being at the table more because there are other kids there. Yeah. And so oftentimes my baby will just sit and like watch and enjoy the conversation. You know what I mean? Like right. It's like entertaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just enjoy watching it. So I actually felt like it wasn't as big of a deal with any of my other kids as with my first. So yeah. you're not alone. It's totally normal. And it's going to happen, but you can set a nice calm boundary about it. And then, no, it'll still happen if you, it'll still happen sometimes, and that's okay. She also said, hitting other people, that's our most, just you guys know, I mean, that's up there with our top asked question. Yes. Hitting other people, again, just when your kid hits somebody, the easiest thing to do without getting upset is to simply walk over. If you can stop it before it happens, great, but if you can't, oftentimes it, you can't be there right when it happens. You can simply walk over and say, I won't let you hit other people, and just... Pick them up gently and walk them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So again, they're not reacting to you. They don't like add on to like, oh man, I really get a huge reaction on my mom out of this. They just learn, oh, she doesn't let me do this. That's kind yeah. of boring, right? Yeah. And, and it doesn't model an apology yeah, to you, the yeah. other person. Yeah, you can say, if they if they don't say sorry, because we, we totally don't believe in forcing sorries because you're teaching them that you can just, even if you don't feel it, you can say something <laughs> and... Mm-hmm. Truly what it is is how can you make that person feel better? So I'll say something like, I won't let you hit. And then I turn to the person who got her and I say, that looks like it really hurt. I'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do to help you? Do you want an ice pack or can I hold you? So you're really modeling empathy of when you hurt somebody, it doesn't feel good to you because hurting somebody doesn't feel good, right? You know what I mean? Like hurting other people, we hurt ourselves when we hurt other people. So really, I think that's the key to hitting Model empathy to the other person. Model what it looks like to take care of them. Say you're sorry. And then just say, and if you need to take your kid somewhere else, say, I need to take you over here because you're clearly having an issue hitting. But when you have your patient's skin on, that's easy to do because you're just seeing it as... And you're not layering it with, I'm a bad mom. My kid's hitting. I feel like I need to do like a those alerts that come on your iPhone for everyone who's a parent that says... Kids hit each other. They all hit each other. And if we could even take the that. sweetest kids. Oh, Every even single the one sweetest. of my kids. They all have hit had sometimes. Yeah. And I think if we can take that off of ourselves that somehow we're doing something wrong when they hit, we need to do this big like extravaganza in the moment when they hit of like, that isn't right. And you're going to turn into a serial killer if you're hitting people. And, you know, we put all that on ourselves. Take that off. And then also... You know, especially if you're in situations where there's a lot of little kids, I would challenge you if you're in a place with another mom to kind of, I'm not saying like just let your kids, everybody free for all hit each other. But I think there's moments where, you know, one kid will take a toy and we hurry and rush over and put our adult like, oh my gosh, you don't know how to share that was so like, that's rude. How did you, why do you take his toy and let them have that kid moment of just for a second, maybe the kid's like walks away that he took the toy from or starts chasing him around and playing a game of taking the toy back and forth. We put our adult assumptions on kids play a ton. And with having three boys, I can also say I do this with physical stuff as well. I'm watching like stressed, like you guys are going to get so hurt in this situation. And they're laughing hysterically, loving every second of their like wrestling. I mean, I've seen Terrilyn and I's boys walk up, slap each other in the face, both start laughing, laughing hysterically like it's a game. So I'm not saying you, everybody has their own boundaries, whatever your, yours are with hitting, you can handle them calmly, but take your adult loaded perceptions of their play 
off of it just for a second and and see. I don't know. Maybe you'll regret that, but that's my <laughs> in my personal opinion. And as you get older, they learn to manage it a lot better. Totally. On their own, right? And I think by modeling over and over and over empathy and setting boundaries for them to keep themselves safe, I think it's really, really helpful. Beautiful. I've tried a plethora of different hair products, including shampoos, conditioners, creams, and I have had the same issues with my hair for years. First of all, I have a dry scalp issue, and my biggest thing with my hair is that it gets tangled super easily. But recently, I was introduced to a company called Gemist. I took their two-minute quiz that takes into a bunch of different factors, including what region you're from, how long or short your hair is, what are some of your biggest complaints with your hair, and then their fancy algorithm pairs you with the perfect products for your specific hair situation. So I was paired with a Formula 6 shampoo and Formula 13 conditioner, a styler cream, and a scalp balancing bar, and my hair feels amazing probably better than it's felt in years, and I've been able to overcome some of these issues that I've had for so long. So some of my favorite things about these products are that they are sulfate-free, paraben-free, dye-free, never tested on animals, so it checks all those boxes when it comes to finding products that have quality ingredients. They smell amazing, and there are free returns. So if you are ready to have the best hair of your life, try Gemist. Right now, our listeners can give Gemist a try and get 20% off their shampoo and conditioner smart subscription. Smart subscribers already saved 20% on each order, so this is an amazing deal. And with two-day shipping, you can have it by your hot date this weekend. Just visit gemist.com to get your personalized recommendation and enter Find the Magic at checkout for 20% off your subscription and free two-day shipping. That's gemist.com, G-E-M-M-I-S-T.com, and enter Find the Magic at checkout to get the best hair of your life. What's up, you guys? Roger Jessup here with the Utah House Doctors. So you just bought your nice new house, and what happens when something goes wrong or something breaks? We have you covered. We have vetted several contractors, whether it be from a break in your sprinkler lines or your kid punched a hole in the wall and you just need a handyman. You have access to these people by following our page, and these are people that we know and trust. Okay, so you're not alone. You're doing great. And the more I read this over and over, I think there's some really, I mean, I love that every single situation that you mentioned, I mean, throw things, flail, <laughs> spill everywhere. <laughs> those are things, hit other people. I mean, those are literally like universal mm -hmm. in Every, every mother and father has experienced at some point in time feeling the frustration of that. I just no. want to add one thing before we move to the next question, and that is spill things. My only tip with spilling things is, first of all, yes, how can children spill so much? It's incredible. <laughs> it's like a feat, really. But um, something that helped me a lot was when I just really, at that age, just manage what you give to them because you're going to save yourself a lot of pain if you don't give them open cups at this age, right? Yeah. Like I have, Caitlin, I hope you don't mind, I'm going to share. I had her son over at my house the other day and I don't even have sippy cups in my house anymore. So I kept giving him, he was thirsty and I kept giving him cups of water and it's fascinating <laughs> to him, right? He drinks a, a thing and then he just stares at it and just slowly pours it out, right? <laughs> like it's so interesting. I wouldn't That's you? totally normal. So really... I just need to have a couple sippy cups because then he can tip it up and sit down all he wants, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be a thing. So what I'm saying is 
with spills specifically, no, yes, spills happen. And sometimes I'm like, really? How do we just knock our cereal bowl so far? Like, how did that even happen? <laughs> but with that age, if you can do anything to cut down, like, for example, the little suction cup, little silicone bowls that stick to the high chair or sippy cups that they can throw and they're not going <laughs> to spill will cut down a lot on your, mm-hmm. and that's just a practical thing, but I think sometimes we think, hold on, I want my kid to be learning to drink out of a cup though when they're 18 months, and just wait another six months or yeah. a year. Yeah, until they stop. Save spilling. yourself the hundred spills <laughs> and just do it later. Or but, do it with them and then get the sippy cup for the next. Yeah, yeah, give them the cup, let them drink a little, and then hand it back and give them the sippy yeah. cup. But that's just a little tiny practical tip, but I think for a lot of things, things we say no on with children, Oftentimes, it just is a matter of changing their environment to cut yeah. down. We're already telling cut them Cut down no. all the notes. We're, cu- we're, setting, we're setting, setting boundaries and saying no to so many things, and that's good. It's good. But if we can just look at our circumstances, and sometimes we can just cut down on the fight altogether if we just totally. shift something Remove small. Remove the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a good question, Aubrey. I keep looking back and seeing another part that I have a note on, so... This is the last thing. But when you say, is there a safe and good way to say no and stop behavior? And the deeper I get into parenting, the more I believe that there's no like perfect way or no or boundary setting that is like going to just work magically. But I do think that you say, you know, in your previous sentence, have more calm and, you know, be more loving. And I think that comes from filling up your bucket building up that patient's skin in advance. And then, however you say it, or even if you don't say anything at all, they're feeling your energy is calm, loving, and not loaded. And in answer to that question, is there a safe and good way to say no and stop behavior? The answer is a very, very sure yes. I just want to let you know, yes, of course, it's a good way to say no and stop Mm -hmm. behavior. So. I just want you to know that as you do set those boundaries, whatever they are, it's totally safe and good. And it mm-hmm. sounds like this. I won't let you do that. Mm-hmm. No. It's okay. It, it, that's yeah. exactly how it sounds. Yeah. Just like it's that. It's okay. Yeah. And it's safe to say that to your It's okay to parent. Yeah. Dang it. What episode did we talk about that? Uh, when you interviewed Joe Newman, we talked about that. Oh, yeah. He's great. A lot. Okay. But we'll it's, o- it's okay just to yeah. you said it. Okay. And it doesn't have to sound like this. No, don't do that. It can just be like, or, no. oh, you know, like you're taking on the guilt of saying no, like heaven forbid, I won't let you spill the cocoa powder all over the rug. Like, I'm so sorry. It doesn't have to be that either. Like, yeah. you don't have to take on that guilt. It, sh- it can just simply be no. Yeah. And that's okay. Okay. Well, our next question is about routines. And this is from... Sometimes I don't know what the handles, if we should even try to say the handle. I don't know. But Brie? Brie? Maybe. Brie's McGeets? <laughs> uh, it says, hi, I have a three-year-old and an almost one-year-old. Ooh, those are fun ages. I am a stay-at-home mom, and we have no true routines to our day, which is so common. It's easy at this age not to have a yeah. routine. And I'm beginning to think this may not be the best thing for our family. My daughter is a new three-year-old, and she's extremely picky eater, hates sleeping, napping, brushing teeth, brushing hair, etc. Lots of fights happening right now. I'm struggling to see and validate her feelings when I'm doing it all day long and constantly having to rebuff a situation. That is exhausting. My one-year-old is super go-with-the-flow, and we have made big adjustments from how we handle mealtimes, snacks, naps, etc. from the first to the second baby. 
But one, how do you implement a routine at home that can still be flexible when things pop up, like playdates or weather changes affecting outside play, etc.? And two, how can I hold strong to new parenting techniques when my second, with my second when my first wasn't brought up that way, aka not giving snacks in the stroller every time, all the time when she's used to it, and my son is right there too. Does that make sense? Okay, this is, the, oh my goodness, these are such good questions. And again, so relatable to so many people. And she said a little more after this. Let's see. Oh, yes, here we go. There's more. There's more. I would love to set better boundaries for my first, so that way my second is learning them as well. As in, we have three sit meals a day, one snack in the morning, and then one in the afternoon. Clean up the playroom before nap time and bedtime. Bedtime routine is brushing teeth, PJ books, without a huge fuss and fight. I'm thinking we need to set better routines, but we just haven't had any real ones before because I'm just home with them each day. And it's been easy just to take each day on as a new one in case we want to do something. Also, I was wondering about the anger and frustration podcast you guys mentioned in the latest episode. Okay, we will link that about, and luckily we're talking about that too. Yep. But, so, okay, a couple, I'll address a couple of things and Felicia, you tell me what stood out to you. But to me here, first of all, ages three and one, those are some handful ages. Handful. So, and it can't handful. <laughs> and it can't if you've ever read The Invention of Wings. <laughs> By Sue Mung Kid, she every chapter that's written by the girl named Handful is in this awesome southern accent. So good. Handful. Handful. But here, so just you're not alone. You're doing good. It can be really exhausting. I'm loving that you said you're, you're already doing nap time. And when your three-year-old transitions out of naps, I would say keep the quiet time going. Still put her in her room at nap time because that's going to save you so much. But yes, I love that you're asking the questions about routines because routines – I think are a saving grace at any age when they're newborns. And I love how you said flexible routines because that's really the key. That's mm -hmm. the key to me. If it's too strong of a routine for me, I start feeling caged in. Right. And if it's just willy-nilly, then I feel like things start – Yeah, things are out of control and things are just falling off the tracks. But so my tip for you is, is to actually set – and for me, it helps to write it down. So if you just write down what you want your routine to look like, just the act of writing it down is going to help you a ton. So we wake up, we do this, and then, of course, you're leaving it open to if things change, then you change it. It's fine. But for me, writing down really, really helps. So if you have a planner, I mean, we have a great planner if you'd like it <laughs> at findthemagic.co. But if you, if you have any kind of planner, really, honestly, that for me helped me so much when I was first setting up my kids' routines. One, find, write down your essentials. So this would be your top two or three things you can do in 10 minutes or less. That is your essentials for the day. For me... When my kids were that age, it was we would say a scripture, say a thing we're memorizing, and read books. That's it. You can do that in five minutes, mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. Or it can take an hour if they're loving the books, right? But I would say write down your essentials, then write down your plan for the day, and see if you like it. And then obviously have it be flexible. But for me, writing those things down really helped me at those kids' ages actually have some kind of routine. And my second tip there is you, you're talking a lot about how you're kind of doing it differently with your second child because that's so, so, such a great thing about parenting, right, is we're learning and we're growing. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to do it differently. As you, learn, as you learn better, you do better. So I would say your daughter, your oldest, three-year-old, she is still so young. Mm -hmm. it's she'll be, adapt. Yeah, she'll adapt so easily. Yeah, she might freak out when you don't give her a snack when it's not snack time. But if you just don't even have the snacks with you and you're at the park – it's not even a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. It might be a big deal at first, but if it's not a big deal to you, it's not going to keep stay a big deal for her for long. Totally. So honestly, I think 
just doing it, just do it how you want it to be done mm-hmm. and she's going to adapt. And I would say be okay with her being upset about it, but you don't have to change, you don't have to parent your first differently than your second just because your first one isn't used to it. Right. So say for example, for me, I, I've told you guys, I'm ashamed to admit it, but with my first, I would give her an iPad to watch Sesame Street in Spanish in the car. Why? I don't know. It was. It seemed like something I should do. It's what all my friends were doing. Well, they weren't doing it in Spanish. I was like thinking that I was advanced because I was doing it in Spanish. And then I realized, hold on a second. This isn't good for her brain. I want her to have solitude time in the car. Or we'll do an audiobook. But I, I knew I did not want to scream. And guess what? I just took it away. And for the first, like, two car rides, she was like, where is it? You know? Mm-hmm. She was probably, I mean, like, one and a half. I'm, mm-hmm. Again, I'm embarrassed to even admit this. And then guess what? It was like... No big deal. She didn't care. I didn't even have it with me, right? Mm-hmm. And same thing with snacks. I used to carry around snacks all the time. And then I was like, hold on. This, first of all, is exhausting. Second of all, they're not even hungry for meals. So guess what? I just stopped carrying the snacks. Yep. And it was fine. They just ate a big lunch, right? When we got back from the park, they'd eat a big lunch because they were hungry. So some of it, I think, I think sometimes we're so worried about our kids having a reaction to something that we're like overly like, oh, okay, I hope you're going to be okay with this, but... I'm not going to give you a snack at the park mm-hmm. when it's like, oh, I just don't have to have a snack. And for sure, just don't even bring it because then yeah, you literally can't. Right? And you're going to say, oh, it's not lunchtime. And they say, I'm hungry. And you say, that's going to make lunch taste so good. I'm so glad it's going to make lunch. And we're having a yummy lunch when we get home. Mm-hmm. And then you just leave it at that. And she might like fall on the ground and cry for a few minutes. But guess what? I mean, I'm not going to guarantee because there's no guarantees in parenting. But do that a few times and she's not going to be a big deal. Yeah, so totally. I would say just do it. And you don't have to change. You don't have to change your parenting per child. Just know your your first might have a little bit of a hard time with some mm-hmm. of the transitions, but be okay with it and let her have them. You can just do it from an unflustered point of view of like, this is how we're doing it now. So totally. it's okay. I can see you're upset about it, and that's okay. And, and that's again, it. with that that first kid, they are a little more particular a lot of the times. And also, you know, I don't know, but reading the part about picky eater, hate sleeping, napping, brushing teeth, brushing hair. All of that. First of all, she's three, so hmm, that could be part of it. Also, if you've listened to our Child Whisperer episode, she maybe could have some type four uh-huh. stuff going on where it's a little sensory overload yeah. on some stuff. It's, it's like hard the to brushing. Dif- yeah, it's, it's hard, hard to, to know. differentiate between first child, <laughs> three-year-old, and three-year-old <laughs> and type four because all those things are things that, like, I mean, totally. first children in general. They can't help it, but they really they've can't. just had so much that you've been doing for them that they just, they can become a lot more particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And little things become really big things with first children, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't have to describe it besides they, that. It really, they really do. So totally normal. Yeah. What you're feeling here is normal. Yeah. Yep. And I would say with the whole routine schedule thing, so I have four kids and they're all really close and having kind of like a, a block schedule. So it's like routine that can fluctuate, but there's, you know, I know for sure that we're going to get, mainly my thing is we're going to get that quiet time in the afternoon where say we had to do, our baby had to nap on a drive. I know that she'll have kind of that recovery time in the afternoon if she needs a little bit longer nap where we're all regrouping. But Knowing that they're going to be able to come back to, you know, relaxing, consistent place in your day will make any other fluctuations in your day go a lot more smoothly. Where if your child doesn't have any sort of rhythm or routine, so they have no idea 
what's going to happen next. Some kids are fine with that, but ones that are maybe a little bit more on the sensitive end or maybe your first kid probably are going to start having more meltdowns when you're out and about because they're unsure, they're trying to get that, whatever it is, rest, time with you, and they don't know when it's coming next. Mm -hmm. So I think if you kind of have that built up and it's like flowing in your days, then you'll have less challenges when you are out doing things. Mm -hmm. And with a three-year-old, I think this really helps saying what you're gonna do in the day. Yeah. Did you already say that? Mm -hmm. No. Because even at this age, I mean, it helps me knowing what's gonna happen. So I, as part of my morning, I tell my kids, and now with my older kids, I mean, it's great. They really grasp it. But even my four-year-old, I mean, he loves knowing what's happening in the day. So in the morning, because every day is a little different, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of the fun things about you're a stay-at-home mom. You have the, you can go to the park one day mm -hmm. and go swimming the next day, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really helpful for kids to know this is what we're doing today. We're going to start. We're going to do our essentials. Then we're going to eat breakfast. Then we're going to do a little bit of just free play. Then we're going to go to the park with our cousins. And when we get back, we're going to do quiet time. And then we're going to have dinner. Like just telling them that that's what we're going to do. For me, and even especially if I'm going to be taking my kids to somebody else's house and leaving, that's really helpful for them to know. I'm taking out the anxiety of you don't know when I'm going to be here and when I'm not. So I'll say, you know, you're going to go to Felicia's house. And I'm going to be gone for a little bit, and then I'll be back. When I get back, we're going to go home and make dinner. And I think it's just soothing for kids to know. That, that really helps with routines. They know what's going to happen next, and it helps them feel a little bit anchored. Mm -hmm. And so that they're not, especially if you have a particular child who, or a child who's prone to feeling anxious at all, you're just laying out in a really just like matter of fact, like this is what the day, this is what the day is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And if you have a really particular child actually who gets thrown off when the schedule changes I actually would loosen it up a lot I wouldn't give things like amounts of time right. I would just say things like you know we have park mm -hmm. and then quiet time and then dinner mm -hmm. <laughs> yep because I do know I I have several friends with children who are particular enough that if you say something and then you don't do it it's it's right. a really big deal so right. if you don't know for sure and you have a kid like that you can obviously be very flexible about it but that helps me a ton that's helped and it's helped my kids a lot yeah and I don't think there's any kid as soon as they can start talking, that's comforting to them. Totally. I agree. The last part of your question you're asking about, you know, the routine when it pertains to nap time, bedtime, brushing teeth, all of those kind of things. And your kids are still young enough that I think as you move forward doing those routines calmly, including them, I mean, three and one, they're just so young. Like, I think they'll start to adapt and know what's coming next just by the nature of you doing it so not to stress too much if you still feel like I mean at that age you're just you're, you are the train engine you are yes and it's kind of tiring it's so tiring have you seen the meme it's one of my favorite memes now right it's my current favorite it shows a picture of Betty White when she's like 20 oh it's like this is yes. me before bedtime and it shows Betty White now who looks to be clear, fantastic. Yes. She's like in her 90s. Yes. But like this is me after bedtime. Yes. <laughs> I think that they're, I mean, I feel like we have a great bedroom routine. I do the same thing every time. My kids know it's coming. And there are still some times where I'm like, I am so tired. I just don't want to do it. They want to party. And I don't, and it's hard. Honestly, my four-year-old, I feel like, okay, he's almost five. I think it took him till he was four before he let me brush his teeth easily. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was what, years of doing it every night? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it was like a full-blown fledge like wrestle match every time, but it was 
Like, he literally just last year started, like, laying down for me on my lap and letting me brush his teeth with his mouth open. Before, it was like a, remember, keep your mouth open. Hold on. Hold your head still. Chasing. No, I'm not yeah. done. Come back down. Like, mm-hmm. there is so much. When Felicia says train engine, there is just so much at that age where you are the one moving along. And as soon as you stop, they all just fall off the tracks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so there is some training there that happens. But just stick with it. Have your routine. If the routine is not working for you, guess what? You can change it. Yeah. If you're like... With my first, I had a much too complicated bedtime routine. <laughs> and it wasn't working for me, right? You mm-hmm. can just change it. You're yeah. the one in charge. Yeah. So, yeah, I think every if you just realize that, for me, I don't like to put any of my, like, essential things at bedtime. It doesn't work for my energy. I'm never going to do it. I would just fail and then be frustrated. So my bedtime is literally, like, brush your teeth and go pee. Oh, that's it? That is it. Oh, Felicia. And it is, like, 10 seconds. And it is, like, go do it and go in your bed. I, like, don't – I'm not messing with that, like, a lot of energy at the nighttime. How do I not know this? I know. That's an option? I know. <laughs> I know. I'm too tired. <laughs> but a lot oh of people gosh. love that That's bedtime, amazing. like, connecting time. You know what I mean? I'm but I'm with them all day. So I'm, I'm like – rethink my whole life here. <laughs> what is happening? I <sighs> need my husband to switch off. My girls now put themselves to bed. They're big enough. And they just brush their teeth and go read. And when we so always nice. do a little come follow me, like we do a little like spiritual thought before bed every time as a family. Mm-hmm. But with my boys, I still do what, what I did with my girls for like a decade, which is we go in, we read, we do a love bath, which is like my affirmations, which I sing to them, which I will link. We've had several questions about that. We talked about another episode and I shared the details of it. So I'll link that too. Just my affirmations and I sing to them. And then I set a timer when we snuggle for six minutes. The snuggling is actually my very favorite part. So you're saying I could just cut out whatever I want? I mean, I know that. <laughs> but I don't know why this has never crossed my mind that I could just say just go into bed. I do like it, though. But it yeah. does take some time. So I'm going to have to, like, really yeah. look it into myself. I like it because it's, like, a different – it's the only time when we read where they don't want to – like. They want more because bedtime is the alternative, right? right? Every other time they're like, okay, are we done? Can we go, like, play? Can we go yeah. play? But at bedtime, and I haven't brushed my hair, guys. Oh, my gosh. They brush my hair while I reach them. And so, I mean, like my son, he'll always be like, no, it's okay. I'll brush your hair longer if you read two more pages. <laughs> so it's fabulous. So I actually, to be honest, as I say this, I actually do love our bedtime routine. But it does take some time. You're blowing my mind, Felicia. This is... <laughs> This is a great example, guys, of you're in charge as parents. You make up what works for you. Yeah, go with your energy. Like, you if it works for energy. you, do it. And if it's not working for you, brush their teeth and send them to bed. Wow. I don't know why this is like... <laughs> Mind wow. Blown. Okay, I'm like loving it. So, ponder is what we're saying. Yeah. Maybe you're doing a lot of stuff in all the routines that you're like... Maybe you're like, oh, clean up the playroom. This is taking forever. Maybe I need to get rid of 75% of the toys or whatever. So, like, think about are you somehow contributing to – that sounds bad. Not like you're doing anything wrong. But sometimes I look and I'm like, dang, I'm making that huge situation and I could just remove it entirely. Kind of like we were talking about with sippy cups. Totally. Right? Yeah. Just remove the – That's I need, to, I need to get rid of 90% of my toys every single second of my life. Yeah. Even after I get rid of 90% of my toys, I think I still I need to get, get rid, rid of 90%. 90%. <laughs> oh. And then I just build up. So. It's so true. Okay. I'm liking this. But you're doing great. You're not alone. Those ages are hard. It's worth, it's, it is worth the effort though to write down a routine, tell your kids your plan. And I honestly, I feel like the moral of this question, I feel like the first question I was really jiving with 
fulfilling yourself to start with because that's where the inner fire, mm-hmm. that anger that we feel built up inside of us, those triggers, it comes from not having a fulfillment space before. Well, sorry, I don't know if that's the right way to say it. I feel like the fulfillment space is the antidote. Yeah. For this question, I'm actually feeling like the theme is you look at what works for you and then you lay in place a routine and just practice it and it gets easier and easier and easier. But then you're in charge. So you're be flexible. If you don't like it and it's Literally. not working for you, yeah. You're in change it up. Change it. Switch it. The power. Can you guys feel the power here? Seriously. As moms. It's so great. Parents. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us for listener questions. We love when you send these in, so keep sending them, and let's find the magic. Me, 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 me. Brown cows.